There are not many individuals I know who truly love and talk about data the way Isaac Colazzo does. And very few individuals match his energy. Until recently, Vice President of Competitive Intelligence for IHG, Isaac has spent most of his life helping key stakeholders find answers to competitive performance and the macroeconomic environment. Especially over the last few months, the value of data to form insights and strategy has greatly appreciated and many people struggle with telling a great story through data. I thought there is no better person than Isaac, a true data guy, to help unpack what makes a great data story and how to get dirty with data. Enjoy this episode, and as always, don't forget to subscribe. All right, super excited today to have uh, Isaac on the podcast with me. Um, I think this is going to be probably episode 25, so going for 20 week, 25 weeks straight here. And uh, I am really, really excited to have um, Isaac with me. Uh, Isaac and I, we've known each other for, I think, a very long time. I'm not going to say how long, but very long. And um, Isaac is one of these rare individuals who just doesn't love data, but he also loves to talk about data. And he does it in a way that makes sense to people that don't love data, which uh, is very um, unusual. So welcome, welcome, Isaac, to the, um, to the podcast. Thank you, uh, Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, the one thing I wanted to talk to you about today is obviously what uh, excites you about data, what excites you about um, kind of uh, the, the data sources that you have access to, and especially about new data sources and the future of where you think kind of the uh, the industry is going or, or data in the hotel industry is going. And uh, I'd love to have a, a really unconstrained conversation about that. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, I love data. I think, you know, data, it's like playing in a sandbox. It's like you like being a kid again. You get a new data set and you want to just play with it and see what it shows you. And I think that's what excites me about data is just the, it's the investigation part of it and just trying to make sense of data. And as, a, and as we've talked about, the future of data to me is more about granularity. And it really is about getting uh, a little bit more specific. And if we've learned anything through COVID is that you can't use generalizations anymore. You have to have a lot more insight. You've got to take it to the next level because to try to determine the path of how we recover from this event, it, you can't just use macro data anymore. It really is. Which sectors are going to come back? When are they going to come back? What are those signposts that I'm looking for? So I think that's what's really important about data right now. And as we think about the future of data is really getting down to the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. from my standpoint mm-hmm. so, so when you, you talk, yeah talk to me a little bit about the evolution you know maybe over the last five to ten years right what have you seen oh, wow. um, how has it been how's it been progressing and how's it been improving i guess yeah the progression has been pretty astronomical right so if you think back when we first started we're not saying how old we are but when we first started <laughs> data was very simple it was actually really easy. If you spent five or 10 minutes with it, that's all you had. I mean, there was not much you could investigate. And then obviously with the uh, advancement of all the data sources from multiple companies now, you can take it to much granular levels to go back to that word. You can go from the total demand down to rate codes, down to channels. And I think that's been the evolution. And that's just our industry. Then you can add other components to it. You know, a lot of psychographics, demographics about our customers. You could ask, you can find out where they're coming from, you know, all the all the trip level data. So I think the uh, the evolution of data has been one of just expansion. 
But mm-hmm. with that expansion, Klaus, has come a lot of complexity, right? And so people, I think some in some cases, you can be inundated with data. And so I think it's up to us, the technologists, the data uh, miners, the harvesters, to really make data simpler for people so that they can understand. And you've got to be able to articulate what the data is telling you. Because I think right now, people are just drowning in data because they, 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 they can't figure out how to compartmentalize it, how to how to put together, how to write the story. And I think mm. that's the key. How do you write the story with the data? And mm. so I think that's where we all come in, in terms of our explanation, our investigation, our understanding of the data. Yeah. And, and you see, I mean, you, you have um, uh, kind of seen seen lots of different data sources and lots of different approaches to data kind of. And, and um, you know, we always talk about telling story, telling the story with the data. Right. And, and you've done very macro strategic kind of analysis to help, uh, you know, big brands and big companies understand where they're competitive and where they're not competitive and where they should go and shouldn't go. And how do you kind of, in your experience, how do you do that? How do you tell a story through data? I mean, what is what is the process that you go through, which can be applied, you know, macro from a macro to micro? Because the process is probably the same, yeah. right? No matter what you're looking at. But how do you bring how do you bring the st- the story to decision makers so they can make the right decisions, right? You know, for me, it always begins with a scientific method, starting out with the hypothesis. What am mm-hmm. I trying to find? What am I? What's the question I'm trying to answer? And that's, that's important to anyone who works with data as you're working with executives or with companies or anything. It's like, what are you trying to understand? What is the question? Once you start with that, then you can start the investigation. And to me, the investigation is pretty exhaustive. I mean, I go down rabbit holes that produce nothing. And you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to get into data and say, well, that was a total waste of time. Let me go down another path. And I think that's how you start. Once you get the understanding, the data set you like, the um, you found the answers, or you know, or at least not necessarily the answers, but you found a way to answer the question that you're trying to solve for, for me to present it to people is to keep it as simple as possible. And again, it's it's iterative. I begin with very complex graphs and then chop it and chop it and chop it down until it is the simplest it can be that can convey my thought, my answer to the recipient. I also believe in a very simplistic way of presenting, and you've seen my presentations, you only present one idea on a chart. You cannot present multiple ideas and very complex uh, graphs to individuals because you'll spend more time explaining the graph and they'll be less likely to understand what you're trying to say. From a storytelling standpoint, Klaus, you probably don't know this, but I was a radio TV film major. Oh, and no. so that, <laughs> I was a double major in undergraduate, uh, undergraduate university. And what, I, what you got, always begin with is a beginning, middle, end. You've got to think about a story. What's the beginning? What are you trying to tell them? In the middle, you give them all the facts. And in the end, you kind of reiterate and recap and, and then re, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, reiterate or, or, or yeah, reiterate. Uh, summarize, summarize. Yeah, yeah. summarize. That's right. That's what I couldn't think of the word. And what you're trying to say. And you, if you just begin with those simple premise of telling a story, then you really, you can convey your ideas to executives and people that are very time constrained. And I think more importantly for us, it's not necessarily executives with time constraint. It's when we're presenting, we're presenting to people with at all levels. So you want to make sure that everyone understands your your story and your idea and what you found. 
So again, simplicity to me is very, very important. Mm, which is probably, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I just say, because otherwise I've, I've been in too many, and you have too, too many presentations where the presenter spends more than 10 minutes trying to explain his chart. And you go, that makes no sense. You've completely lost me because we're all trying to figure out why he did what you did, you know, yeah. in the chart. Yeah. And you should, the chart should never be the story. The story should be you. The chart backs up. That's it's the illustration. That's the important part of that. So, yeah, and we, we we all fail in that uh, probably quite more often than we like to admit, right? Because um, I, I think the hardest part is to leave the white space, as I always call it, right, and and not fill it up with more components and more components and try to um, over over complicate something that that could be very simple. And should be understood in really two seconds. Like you, you bring it up. Somebody looks at it, says, "Okay, I get the story here. Just tell me the background or tell me the, right. the details." Right? Exactly. That's what I try to do. In my storytelling is the chart just backs me up, but the insights is what I'm going to verbalize because mm -hmm. that way they're not spending so much time reading something on a chart. They're listening to me. And again, that's the other aspect of storytelling is how do you make sure people listen to what you're saying so that they're not consumed by something else or distracted is probably a better word mm, and mm. I think those are the components i think are just very very important and i so think people you, forget yeah do you yeah. script that out i mean do you do you well, in your process do you uh, some people spend a lot of time on telling the story and making sure the powerpoint you know for every hour that you present you work eight hours on the on a powerpoint and they, they get it down to the, the the most granular details is that part of your process or not really? No, that's a, that's a great question. But no, I don't script things out. The only time I script things out is when it's legally required, right? So when we present in front of owners at our big conferences, yeah, we have to script that so that they're so that the the lawyers can go through it. What I find, and this is important to me, is I do the work, and even at my level, I've always done the work because the only way I can answer your question is if I did that work. Now it doesn't say I don't have help from my team and my team will create some PowerPoints and things, but then I'll go in and play with the data. Because for me, my confidence as a presenter only comes from knowing I know about this data set. And if I go in there cold with just a script and you ask me something out of the blue, no, there's no way I can answer that. But if you ask me something I'm presenting, and even if it's a it's a curveball question. I can at least think it through logically because I worked with the data. I may not know the answer specifically, but logically I can process that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's to me as a presenter is the most important thing. I've got to know it mm -hmm. because if I don't, then yeah, I would be scared. I would not know this. I wouldn't know. And so, yeah, I, I do spend a lot of time in presentations. I redo charts over and over. What um, Whenever I'm uh, presenting to a group and they want my chart or my slides two weeks ahead of time, I tell them no, because I'm actually changing my slides up until the minute I present many times because I'm reiterating, rethinking it through. How does this look? What does it say? Will it convey the idea I'm trying to? And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things I get mad at, uh, at presentation companies when they want your slides two weeks in advance. I go, no, <laughs> I'll give it to you a day in advance. I'll do that, but not two weeks. And I know why they want it. They want to make sure it it works in their PowerPoints. I got that. But I'll give them a sample. But I said, no, I'll probably change it up until the very last minute. Because as a presenter, that's what you do. You're, you're changing. Your, you're just looking at it over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the hours that go into each presentation is enormous. Now, some of the ones, as you all know, when I talk about the industry, I can put those together in 30 minutes. I know our industry backwards and forwards. That's simple. It's when it gets more complex that it takes time for us to present or, you know, put it together. So.
Right, right. So when you when you have uh, new people starting in your teams, right? Uh, what 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 advice do you give them? You know, the the oh. when you when you onboard someone, and let's say you know you're onboarding someone in your team, but it, this could be somebody listening who is just a, a graduate from a school or is just starting out as a revenue manager or data scientist. You know, what what do you tell them? It's like uh, well, uh, I don't tell them. First of all, uh, let me my process that I've always used. <clears throat> is I'm looking for creativity and curiosity right off the bat. Because working with data, you have to have a creative mind because we're not reporting, we're not accountants. Accounts are easy because you just, it's accounting. It's very simple. There's laws, there's not laws, but rules per se. And then curiosity. I just want someone who is curious about data. So how do I find that out? So when once we get past the initial vetting, because we know most people when they come in, we know that they have the education, they've worked for other companies, et cetera, et cetera. We got that. We give them a data set mm-hmm. and see what they find. Mm-hmm. We give them no rules. So what is that? What am I looking for? I'm looking for someone who's so curious that they're going to either call me and say, hey, I'm looking at this data, especially if they're outside the industry. Can you help me understand what occupancy is? First of all, at least they're asking questions. So I want someone who's going to ask questions. And going to go down the path, and then I want to see their. I want to see what they do with the data. Where did they go? Who did they at? Who did they talk to? And then finally, the output. What's that presentation? Mm-hmm. You learn so much through that process of an analyst when you just give them a data set that they're unfamiliar with. And I think that's how I find. And then after they join the team, what am I looking for? I want them to play with data. I want when we have free time, I want them just to go and play with data. What do they see? What are they thinking about? I want them to show. So it's me even. It's, so it's so it's playing without questions, really. Just say, go and play, and tell me what you find. What do you see that I haven't seen yet? That's actually right. pretty cool. Yeah, because I think that's the only way we all learn. And you know, we have I have you know people that are much smarter on my team than myself, and they teach me as much as I teach them because it's just that playing with data, that natural curiosity, uh, and that just wanting to learn. That's what you're also looking for, people to learn. So I find most of my team, while we do have, we have uh, at IHG, we had a full PhD in mathematics. That's really helpful to have. Someone who really understands math because I don't. (laughs) But then everyone else has every other kind of degree from music to just traditional business degrees. But what brings them all together, or engineering is another one, is because they have this this curiosity and this... um, creativity in, inside of them to try to play with the data and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And most people I know read a lot, and not necessarily on, on an analysis, but just read a lot. They're just always consuming mm-hmm. lots of other mm-hmm. uh, touch points and things that help them become creative. Yeah, so, so cu- like, curiosity, creativity, kind of uh, that. Yeah. that Somebody I, somebody said a couple of weeks back to me, you know, revenue managers need to be profit hunters. It, it, it seems yeah. to me they also need to be data hunters, right? Uh, data gatherers yeah. and profit hunters. <laughs> always seeking and always see, you know, what people, what I find people who fail on analysis fail only because they're limiting themselves. They're limiting themselves to this one data set. Mm. And if they don't find the answer, they're done. Mm. The mm. funny thing with data and what we do, especially in, in the level of data we play with, is there is no, there is not a perfect data set. So you've got to determine what's the proxy for what I'm using or, or looking for. What is the proxy data set? And if I know A and I know C, then I can probably figure out B, right? It's pretty simple. It goes back to the algebraic formulas. But we have to think that way, saying, well, I don't have perfect data. I really don't know everything about my consumer. But I have this set. I have this set. 
I can kind of put it together and I can make assumptions. That's the other thing. I'm looking for people who are willing to take risk with data, mm-hmm. who are willing to take that, make the assumption. Just tell me what the assumption is. I can argue it, but tell me what it is. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. They're looking mm-hmm. for the exact answer and the exact data set. They won't take the leap of faith. That's the fascinating. Data. Yeah, that's fascinating. I just had a conversation with our um, uh, a, a certain group in, a, in the organization last week. And they're preparing for some some pretty big presentations this week. And I told them, it's okay to make assumptions. As long as you state the assumptions, you can always challenge the way you've come up with the assumption or the conclusion of, but, but and you can always change the assumptions and come up with, you know, a, a slightly different conclusion, but you don't have perfect, you don't have perfect data and you don't have perfect answers. You can only state the assumptions that you have put into your analysis, right? Uh, Great exactly. to hear validation of that. <laughs> and, and, and especially in this time right now where we're all trying to figure out what the recovery looks like. When it, is it started? Are we in it? You know, all those questions we have. Mm. There isn't. We've never been through anything like this. So you you have to make assumptions. You have to think, okay. And you know, some of the assumptions are pretty easy. Like we all believed the leisure travel would lead us out of this. Again, that's a pretty easy one because it makes sense. But then how do you validate it? How do you think it through? Why do we think this? And you and then you, you just kind of go down that path. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, you can't you can't just rely on the data per se. It's all mm-hmm. data driven, but then there's a lot of assumptions. And again, you're right. As long as you tell me what the assumption is, that's a starting point. Yeah. And then that yeah. also leads to more iterations in yeah. people's and minds. So so over the last couple of months, uh have you found new data sets that you found extremely valuable that you didn't look at before, you know, kind of over the last six months where you said, oh, this, this, I, I wouldn't have looked before the, 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 the outbreak of the pandemic, but now this has become really valuable. Is there something new that you have ingested that is now? Yeah, it's, helping? Not, necessarily, it's not necessarily new. It's, mm. uh, you know. Necessity is the mother invention. Did I say that one right? Yes. It's right. <laughs> uh, I always get my my team laughs because I always get my saying. That's <laughs> right. You did that right. <laughs> uh, but what we found as we were creating all the forecasts this time around that we did wanted we had to create forecasts that were more granular for this recovery period. So we've used a lot of information from tourism economics to understand because tourism economics forecast. And, uh, uh, international domestic travel. So I wanted to know that, especially being a big global company like IHG, we wanted to truly understand where the out, the inflows, outflows, how that was going to change in the future. That's one aspect. So it's not new. It should became more important. Same thing with rate codes and channel data. That mm-hmm. became much more important because as you're trying to think what segment is going to lead the recovery, again, we have hypotheses already, but you have to build all that in. So the forecast became a heck of a lot more granular and again, you can use your internal data. All of us have, uh, at least in the industry, have that granularity in terms of rate codes and channels, but also like Calibri Labs has it on an industry basis. And so that, again, and then we also looked at, again, more important became uh, chain scales because, again, looking at how the industry is being impacted with the lower chain scales doing better than the higher chain scales, you have to build all that in. And then the, then the rate codes, the channels, and just right. you know step it all in. Yeah. So I think, again, it's not that it's new data set. It's mostly using what use, it took on more importance this time mm. around. Mm. Macro mm. forecasts, while important, were not as good as helping to solve the question of recovering what it looks like. 
Right. So, right. Okay. That's very useful. And and yeah. and looking forward, um, I have two more questions. So this is one. Well, looking forward, kind of what is what what is the kind of data that gets you most excited? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, all data gets me excited. <laughs> I know that. So I know that. There's that. You know what's exciting? Exciting right, that that I'm still starting starting to play with is location data and the movement of people. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting data to be able, from a competitive intelligence standpoint, to know how our customers interact with the various hotel products out there, both competitors and non-competitors. That's right. interesting to me. Other data, obviously, that I'm still working through, it is more complex. Uh, it's because it's just different from what we're used to. It's anything with the home sharing, you know, uh, the data sets, AirDNA mm-hmm. and all that. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's interesting to me because, again, you know, we all know supply, their supply is more uh, malleable. It changes daily. And so how do you think about that? So those are yeah. fun data sets. Um, I mean, to me, uh, all day again, like I said, it truly all data is fun. It's fun yeah. to play with data, <laughs> and the only way you can figure out how to use it is to play with it. Right. And so it's just a bizarre way of thinking. But it's like I get a new data set. It's like being in a candy store. It's like, all right, <laughs> what do I? What can I learn? You know. And, and I tell it like Adam Sachs with Tourism Economics. I tell him all the time. I just love all the economic data because there's so much there that you got to just keep playing with it and say, okay, mm. what? Can, how, how do I use this differently? And I think that's again. Again, I think again, I will answer it that way. Everything. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, so the so the advice for somebody who is like a young you, uh, many <laughs> many years ago, uh, and is sitting sitting there listening, saying, "I'd really love to kind of get started in this." Is that is that the attitude of like data is fun and be curious and and just go for it? Is that what what your advice would be? Yeah, that is the attitude, and that's how I got started in this. Uh, you know, I was a marketing guy. Truly, I was a film guy. I really was going to be a producer. That was my goal, to be in the movie-making business and to produce. That's why I took the business degree, so I could understand the financing and all that. Well, I fell into uh, data, and um, and, and that's in and, and it because I could. I could play with it, and I think that's – as long as you're just willing to try and just see what it, you find – I think that's how you get into this business of data. You just got to be curious about it. And you just got to like to play with data and sit in front of your computer and spreadsheets and just do things. I also have lots of books. You can't see my books, obviously, but I'm always look reading up new ways. I do everything myself many times, even formulas. I rather write my own formulas because then I understand it. So, again, it's that level. It's a level of detail. To me, it's like making a movie. Yeah. That level of detail. Why do yeah. they spend so much money on movies and sets? Because the level of detail matters. Yeah. Data, the level of detail matters. The more you get into it, the more you will understand. If you're going to take a hands-off approach, you're not going to get the understanding that someone like me who gets into it will. As simple as that. So get dirty with data. <laughs> get dirty with data. The, the wise yeah. words from the data guy. <laughs> not the science guy, but the data guy. That's uh, that's very cool. We're going to use that as the headline. Get dirty with data. Um, and what's uh, what's on top of your bookshelf there? Um, book book stack. I just uh, last question there. <laughs> I'm reading right now. I'm reading artificial unintelligence. Oh, all right, okay. So, a uh, really interesting book. And and you know, too many people think artificial intelligence is going to solve everything, uh, but they forget that computers are not like humans. They're not conscious. They're actually programmed by people. And this book really explains that to me. It's nothing new that I didn't already know. 
but it gives me a way to, it's a better way for me to understand it and think it through. So it's a great book right now. I'm just, that's what I'm reading at the moment. Brilliant. I'll look it up. Well, thank you so much, Isaac. That was uh, brilliant. I, I, I love the, you know, get dirty with data slogan. And uh, you're, you're the true data guy. I've always known you like that. So I really appreciate your time and uh, the energy that you always bring to these kind of conversations. So thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Klaus. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes, link to the episode, Help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.